everybody. Welcome to the latest episodes of Living Your Best Life. I'm your host, Rebecca Miller. Today, I have someone very special joining me, someone who's changed my life. It's the one, the only, Chisa Westcar. Chisa is renowned educator in the skin and nutritional space, making her, her life purpose to educate on the importance of internal and gut health and how nutrition is the key to healthy functioning skin. Strap yourself in. This podcast is one not to be missed. Welcome, Chizza. I am so excited that you are joining me today on Living Your Best Life. Um, You are someone in our industry that is just so looked up to because of your wealth of knowledge. And for me, you changed my life, um, um, you know, a year or so ago when I actually did your uh, postgraduate training on nutrition and it's actually changed the way that we are looking and treating skin and that the internal beauty side of things was definitely the missing link and I'm so excited that you're here today and I can't wait for you to share your wealth of knowledge to all of our listeners. So welcome, Chisa. Oh, thanks. Thank you. My heart is full, honestly, hearing that intro. I just, you know, we're, we're kindred spirits, you know. We are, are all about just consuming information and, and sharing that. And that's what I love to do. And, and to hear you say that I changed your life really makes me know that I'm on track to fulfil my mission. Um, I, gosh, I've been in the industry since 1996 and um, in that time, I'm in the fortunate position to have done so much. Um, I started out doing beauty therapy. I actually left Australia in 93 and I went to the UK as you do on the working holiday visa. And, you know, I looked around and decided while I was there, I'd finished the business degree and didn't want to do business. So did the working holiday visa thing after I finished my business degree and went to the UK and looked at beauty therapy colleges and they wanted six grand and six thousand pounds that was to to stay wow. in one of the colleges there. So I didn't have that money, but a girlfriend of mine who I'd met um, in in Melbourne, where I lived at the time, who lived in Japan, had been asking me to go across to Japan to teach English, and I been a bit hesitant. But when I saw how much it was going to cost me to do a course, I did go to Japan, and I taught English for two years, and I lived off my part time wages. Like I worked two jobs. I lived with my part-time salary and I saved my full-time salary from my second job. And I ended up saving £24,000 in that two-year period. So I went back to the UK, did beauty therapy, worked on the cruise ships, took myself off to the States and did a hairdressing course. And my, my mission was to come back to Australia and set up a, a spa. And I got back to Australia seven years later. Hmm. I, I detoured and went to PNG and set up a little mobile business there. Anyway, came back to Australia and um, didn't end up setting up a spa, but I ended up working at a beauty college that had done that offered Sodesco and, and iTech. Um, I went in for an interview on my arrival back to Australia, moved to Sydney, and um, was given the opportunity to teach at a beauty school called the Strand College of Beauty Therapy. And that's a very well known, uh, you know, well known. Um, College of Education as well, yes, back in the day. Back in the day, absolutely. And and walking in, just hoping to maybe get a job and walking out with a job, staying up that night to learn, relearn what I needed to teach the students the next day, 
you know, being thrown in the, the deep end was really where I just knew that I loved to do what I what I do, which is what I do now. I, I teach, so I, I did that for two years, and then went um, and over to Dermalogica, and I became a Dermalogica trainer, and I was there for two years teaching out of um, Dermalogica. Um, the brand, but also teaching through their IDI, the International Dermal Institute. Did that for two years and then was invited back as college principal to the Strand. So we got the girls all trained up and ready for their Sodesco exams and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And then the opportunity came for me to move into medical aesthetics. I was told about uh, an opportunity to work at, um, uh, sorry, I was told about an opportunity to um apply for a job teaching with advanced skin technology they were looking at the time for um, a New South Wales educator and I ended up moving across to advanced skin technology where I stayed for 11 years and I moved up from state trainer to national trainer and then global education manager Um, and you know I saw the industry evolve I saw us going from using products when I was in beauty school you know, that were more coat and cover pampering, you know, sort of Mm. all about the the Mm. sensation of, you know, rich products on skin rather than being anything about correction to with advanced skin technology, being exposed to ingredients that actually changed the skin, you know, Mm. without trauma involved. And um, it was while I was there going into clinics and educating that I realised that there was something missing. And we were in the very fortunate position to, um, while I was there, be exposed or I was exposed to a brand um, that was my first um, exposure to nutraceuticals. And that brand was Miss Vitality. Um, Someone out of the blue had made contact with me and said, I think you should check this brand out, which I did do. Spoke to my manager about it and we brought this brand on. And that really was what started my love affair with nutrition. I went on to do a master's degree in human nutrition. I did nutritional medicine. And that connection, that link between nutrition and skin health really was what I knew I had to share with the skin industry. Because so, it, it's, it's you know, you can have a, the best skincare in the world if you're not taking care of your body internally. It's what feeds ourselves from the inside. Um, you, you, there's so many factors that come into our internal beauty, Chizer, and I love Absolutely. that you're leading the way with education as far as, um, you know, that space goes. I know you've changed my life. I know you've changed, you know, your, your, your educational um, your classes are filling up quicker than ever um, and it's just really taking off because it's really been the missing link. Absolutely, it has. And, you know, like I know you're as passionate as I am about gut health. It all starts in the gut. You know, you look at any inflammatory skin condition and you can definitely find a starting point in in, in the gut. And my mission is to change every therapist's perception of what good skin is. And um, you can't have good skin without it being healthy skin. And you need to have good nutrition to have healthy skin. So that's my, my my mission, global domination, I say. It's just fantastic. And I know as a skin therapist, um, it definitely was the, the the missing link. I mean, um, until I did my training with you, I didn't realise how much nutrition and gut health and mm. 
all, you know, that, that side of things really impacted the way that we could actually influence the skin. And, to, you know, to really dive in to beauty does begin in, inside mm. I th- is definitely true. And, you know, when we talk about gut health, it's responsible for so many things. You know, 80% of our immunity comes from our gut, mm. 90% of our serotonin, which is our happy hormone, P.S. This is all stuff that I've learned from you, Chisa. Um, you know, it controls our mental health, our skin health, our bowel movements, weights, moods. So I'd love you to touch on, you know, the importance of gut health. It is a word that is really becoming, um, you know, more prevalent. You know, it's, 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 it is the buzzword. What does gut health mean to you and um, how important is it, not only when it comes to skin health, but actually to health and well-being in general? Absolutely. I'll give you a classic example. I had a client come in yesterday in my role as a nutritionist. So I'm very lucky that I wear two hats, dermal clinician, but I also work as a, as a nutritionist. And I had a client come in yesterday and she was an overweight lady who had terrible gut issues, but she also had a lot of anxiety and mood, you know, sort of mood issues as well. And, you know, the, I always get them to fill up their consultation form, but I spend a lot of time just digging trying to unravel what the the core issues are. And this was a lady who was trying her absolute best to manage her health. She'd been diagnosed with fatty liver, even though she was not a drinker. So it's basically called non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is what she was diagnosed with. And that points to diet. And when we unpacked it, she was having for breakfast gluten-free muesli with lactose-free milk. And she was throwing in canned peaches and pears with that. And she was having that for breakfast, of course, being starving hungry by the time morning tea came around. So she'd have a biscuit and then lunch was usually a sandwich or, you know, maybe she said sometimes a sausage roll or a meat pie. And then she'd be starving again around three o'clock. So she'd have chocolate and then dinner and dinner would be pasta or it would be, you know, maybe a frozen meal. And this was basically her, 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 her routine. Now, I knew immediately just looking at her that her diet was not right. No water. She wasn't drinking any water. She was having two cups of tea and that was it. And so to unpack all of that and to explain to her the the association between her diet and her poor health, for me, it was such an honour to be able to do it for someone who had no idea. So with all the gluten-free and the dairy-free options that she was choosing, she thought she was doing that for better health. What she had no idea uh, um, about was that the fact that she had very little fiber in her diet, the fact that her diet was primarily carbohydrate-based and refined meant that she was providing her gut with no support at all. Because as you said, Beck, our gut microbes that number in the trillions are responsible for so much of our overall health. And these gut microbes are really pretty much divided into two main groups. We've got our commensal microbes that are indigenous inhabitants to the gut. And they're the ones that keep us healthy because if we eat the right kind of food, we are feeding them. We're providing them with food. And that food has got to be fiber-based because they ferment that fiber and they produce metabolites that we call short-chain fatty acids. And these metabolites provide the cells that line the gut with the energy that they need to function. But they also have an anti-inflammatory effect. So systemically, they provide our body with anti an anti-inflammatory action that dampens down inflammation caused by our lifestyle stress etc now if our diet is 
um, is lacking in fiber, then it provides an opportunistic for this other group of, of, of microbes to become the dominant group. And they start to control what we eat because the food that they love is all the junk food and the processed food and the food that's lacking in fiber. And like you said also, these microbes produce chemical signals called neurotransmitters. And these neurotransmitters are sent up this nerve that goes from the brainstem to the gut called the vagus nerve. These chemical signals are sent up to the brain, letting the brain know what's going on in the gut. And based on which microbes are the dominant species, you have different messaging being sent. So if you've got your good bugs numbers decimated because your diet is so poor and you're not feeding them, you're starving them because there's no fiber and you're eating a lot of processed junk food, then the messages that are being sent to your brain are what drive your cravings. But what's also really interesting is that, like you mentioned, 95% of serotonin is produced in the gut. These microbes, are the good bugs, are responsible for the production of this serotonin. And so where their numbers are suppressed because they're not being fed what they need to survive, and the bad bugs numbers come up, then your serotonin levels are completely depressed. You produce very little serotonin. And what they have found is that there is a very strong correlation between mood disorders, anxiety, depression, and diet. Now, you can imagine when you eat well, you actually have clarity of mind. You are positive in your thoughts. You're in a happy place. When you eat poorly, the converse is the case. I've had teenage girls who've dropped out of school, year 12, they've dropped out of school, who've come to see me, they've been put on antidepressants, the mother has finally said, look, we've got to find a better way. And we have changed their diet around, the antidepressants have been put to the side, they've started eating well, their health has improved, they've dropped the weight. It is incredible. And so I guess for me, knowing this very, very strong connection between brain health and gut health, and that we as clinicians, can impact that. I'm not trying to say for one second that we are trying to make therapists into nutritionists. That's not it at all. But we know that the health of the gut also impacts skin health because the food that you eat causes inflammatory cytokines to be upregulated. These cytokines leave the gut because the little joins between the gut cells that are supposed to have or create this impermeable barrier, these joints pull apart. And so suddenly the gut is not, is, does not have this impermeable barrier that stops the contents from letting, leaking out into the bloodstream. And so these joints pull away and we now have these inflammatory cytokines leaving the gut and going into the bloodstream. We have parasites and microbes that should not be leaving the gut also leaking into the bloodstream. So we use the term leaky gut to describe gut permeability or this pulling apart of these cells and the now the, um, it, the, the movement of these little particles and metabolites out of the gut into the bloodstream that then cause this response by the body's innate immune system that goes into attack because it recognises that there are things in the blood that should not be in the blood. And so this is where autoimmunity comes in. So we know that these particulates that make their, their way into the blood travel to distant sites and then cause inflammation in distant sites. So we know the brain is impacted. Yep, Alzheimer's, um, we talk about um, autism, have all um, got their, their start in the gut. 
So we associate those conditions with gut permeability. Skin conditions like acne and rosacea and psoriasis and eczema are also associated with gut permeability. We look at rheumatoid arthritis, it also has its, its root in the gut. And so when we look at what the common denominator is, diet forms a huge part and plays a huge role. But it's not just diet, chronic stress. Mm. Our lives, Beck, as skin therapists, I mean, you run your busy clinics. You're very lucky that you've got an amazing team that allows you now to work more on the business. But even though you're not, not working on clients so much, you are still busy trying to keep everything, you know, ticking over smoothly. Living in a Western society, we are chasing our tails. And what that means is that we tend to be living more in the sympathetic rather than a parasympathetic state. And what that basically means is that we are always fully wired. And when we are living in a, in a sympathetic state, it means that we are in fight or flight mode always. Mm. And when that happens, it means that our heart rate is increased, our pupils dilate, you know, we're ready to, to run. But mm. it also means that we aren't able to digest food properly because our digestion shuts down in order for, you know, our muscles to be powered to help us escape. And we're in that state constantly. And when we're in that state, we become chronically stressed. And chronic stress is also an up factor associated with, with gut permeability or leaky gut. You know, so I, I think as therapists in charge of the largest organ of the body, we have got to understand the association between stress, lifestyle and diet and how that impacts skin health. You know, I had this one client um, and her skin was so red. She had rosacea quite badly and her husband had um given her, he was a GP, given her Roaccutane, she had been on antibiotics, she'd been on everything and nothing had helped. She then decided to become vegetarian. So she cut out meat completely and her diet was very dairy-based, very carb-heavy. She was at her worst, very inflamed skin. You could see throughout her body that she was inflamed. She put on weight and then she decided, you know what, she was going to follow, I guess what you would loosely call a paleo lifestyle, which really is just eating as nature intended, making the majority of what she was eating vegetable-based with moderate protein, well-sourced fats, and her skin changed. Her skin turned around. Without one product, her skin changed. But also she lost weight and was never more healthy. And so for us as therapists, we have to be able to have that conversation with our clients in terms of getting a really good understanding of what they're eating and how that might that might be impacting their skin health. In my in my class, a lot of the girls who do my course will say to me, oh, we allow about 10 minutes for a consult or 15 minutes. Oh, gosh, we're 45 to an hour. Thank you. Thank you. How can they possibly find out who the client is in 10 minutes? Mm. You know? And so when you think... And I think a good point there is that you can never know there's you can't out skincare a bad diet and a stressful life. You can't. It's a band-aid, Beck. It's a it's a band-aid. You know, if, if you do a treatment, even if you do laser, you do IPL on the, the vasculature of a rosacea skinned client, it might shut down the obvious telangiectasia, but you haven't dealt with the source. So you will soon find, you know, little new tributaries starting to appear. You know, revascularization occurs. 
you haven't shut down the inflammation. You have you you've got to look at diet. And I guess because traditionally we haven't been taught about the link between nutrition and, and skin health, it's not something that skin therapists are that confident about. But what I love is that our industry is changing, Beck. It's evolving. Yep. You know, think about when you went to beauty school and when I went to beauty school, you know, we waxed, we did pedis, maddies, facials, massage. But now there's specialization that's that's come in. Yeah, and specialization is 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 the key because it allows us to really become the experts in our chosen area. We don't have to do manis and pedis and waxing if we don't want to. We can create a, a clinic that solely focuses on skin, but we've got to do it properly. And so we've got to further our education and learn about lasers and learn about all of the other modalities that we can now focus on in bringing those results results to our clients. But we've also got to look at nutrition. You can't not look at nutrition. And so then we need to upskill in that area too. And I guess where I come in and where I'm very fortunate is, is that I'm a, I'm a dermal clinician, working as a dermal clinician, as well as a nutritionist. And so, you know, rather than going off and doing a, a random nutrition-based course, I've done both, so I know what our industry needs, you know, and nothing pleases me more than having feedback from people like yourself who've done my course, who've said, oh, my gosh, it's transformed my own life and my family's life and the life of my clients. I, I can't thank you enough. And that's, yeah, that's what keeps me doing what I do. Exactly. And I guess, the big, you know, just, uh, you know, when we just spoke then and I heard you say good fats, I mean, it's something that comes up quite a lot mm. uh, is, uh, you know, our omegas, obviously our essential mm. fatty acids. Mm. Do you want to just touch on that and, and tell us how important it is to have those, um, you know, those good fats in our diet and what well, are those good fats? Sure. And you're right. So speaking, to, um, going back to the woman that I was telling you about whose diet was just so refined, there was no fat in her diet. And I actually said to her, I said, where's your fat? Where's your fat? And she's looking at me like, why would I have fat in my diet? And I had to explain to her how important good fats were for brain function and brain health, for cell membrane health, for skin health. We need our fats, but well-sourced fats. And so, yes, fat is important. And we actually talk about essential fatty acids. And our essential fatty acids are so-called because the body does not produce enough of them or produce them at all. And so we typically look at our omega-3 and our omega-6 fatty acids. We have omega-9s, omega-7s that the body produces, but omega-3s and omega-6s we need to get from diet. Now, when we think of our omega-6s, our omega-3s, we talk about what would typically be referred to as pro-inflammatory, which are omega-6s, and anti-inflammatory fatty acids, essential fatty acids. And both of these groups produce eicosanoids, and eicosanoids are signaling molecules that allow for certain functions to occur in the body, like blood clotting or not, like capillaries dilating or not, like having a, an effect that causes inflammation to be initiated so that wound healing can happen or not. So when we look at these fatty acids, we have got to be aware that in the Western context, our diets are so full of essential fatty acids in the omega-6 form that we do not need to supplement with omega-6s. There's no point. 
What we are lacking, though, are the good fats, which are omega-3s. Now, our omega-3s produce eicosanoids as well, but these ones have an anti-inflammatory effect on the body. And so they are so, so important. Our omega-3s are responsible for really reinforcing the cell membrane so that it remains nicely fluid, able to uptake nutrients and expel waste. When we are essential fatty acid deficient, that cell membrane becomes rigid. It's not able to allow for the passing in and out of nutrients and waste. And if that cell membrane is not able to pass in nutrients, that cell will end up dying, right? And we call, we talk about apoptosis where the cell goes Mm. into self-destruction mode, right? So it's really, really important when we look at our clients' diets and we, because a lot of people are scared of fat because they think it'll make them Mm. fat. The number of young girls that I have come to see me whose diets are full of plant-based stuff, but guess what? More fruit than anything. So they're making these um, fruit-based smoothies and they come in with bloating and a lot of them will have what what I call SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Um, So they come in with bloating, constipation, diarrhea. And when I talk about fat, they're scared to put fat in because they don't want to get fat. But meanwhile, their diet is so high in sugar that that is a problem. So it's about understanding that we need to have good fats for cell function health, for our overall health. Fat does not cause insulin levels to rise. Sugar does. Mm. And so all of us need to make sure that we have enough essential fatty acids in our diet, but that we do not go overboard with trying to get our omega-6s in because that drives inflammation. And inflammation that is chronic drives disease. Exactly. And while we're on the topic of sugar, Mm. um, you know, with um, the increase, you know, that does increase the insulin levels, which just has a cascade effect in the body. Do you want to touch on on that as well? Of course, of course. So think of my lady that I mentioned who came in with, um, you know, her gluten-free muesli and her dairy-free milk, lactose-free milk and, you know, all the things that she was eating. She thought that she was doing really well because her diet had no fat in it. But all of those foods convert to one of our three main macros. So our macros are our carbs, our proteins, and our fats. And our carbs convert to glucose in the body. Now, if our diet is very, very high in glucose, in in this case, the ladies' breakfast, as an example, it causes the pancreas to be stimulated to release insulin. Insulin is our blood-regulating hormone. Now, our Western diet means that As I described before, our breakfast is carb-based, our snacks are carb-based, our lunch is carb-based, our dinner is carb-based. So we have the pancreas working extra hard, pushing out insulin to try and bring our blood glucose levels down. Because what happens with glucose being absorbed through the small intestine is it causes the blood glucose levels to rise. And the body needs that glucose for energy for the cells. So insulin that's forced into the bloodstream travels around the body to all the cells of the body and it attaches to the cell membrane of every cell because every cell has a receptor for for insulin and a signal is sent to the nucleus to let that cell know that a big sugar dump is on its way. And so the cell sends up this little transport protein that attaches to the underside of the cell and it then takes the glucose into the cell. Now, if your diet is constantly carb-based, 
eventually what's going to happen is that signal from insulin is not going to be responded to by the cell. And that's what we refer to as insulin resistance. And so the cell stops responding. So the glucose levels remain very high in the bloodstream. And the knock-on effect of that is pre-diabetes. It's, um, oh my gosh, we, we, we call um, insulin resistance. There's a, there's a group of syndromes that are associated with insulin resistance, and we call them metabolic syndrome. And polycystic ovary syndrome that we see in mm in the form of breakout along the jawline, hair growth along the jaw, weight gain, even though weight gain does not necessarily follow. But I promise you, if you have someone who has hair growth and breakout, you can be sure that there is some link to polycystic ovary syndrome and you check their diet and you won't be surprised. You won't be disappointed. The diet is typically very, very high in refined carbohydrates and that causes this change in the way that the cells respond to this insulin that's being pumped out. And because the glucose is not being taken into the cells, it then wreaks damage in tissue. Okay. Glycation is the result of a sugar-based diet where these glucose molecules that are in the blood will then attach to collagen protein structures, such as collagen, for example, when we look at skin health. And we obviously know what we see with glycation. So it's, it's, it's a huge thing. Um, we need to make sure that our carbs in the majority come from a vegetable source. We do not need, I mean, people say, oh, but you need carbs. Absolutely you need carbs, but you can get carbs from a natural source. I always say eat as nature intended. You know, there's now a big market around gluten-free products. People think that by consuming gluten-free products that they get from a packet in the shops, that they're being healthy. But have a look at the ingredients listing and you'll find that there is sugar. They've taken out the wheat, but they've replaced it with rice starch or tapioca starch. And then there's sugar. So those sorts of foods don't serve you either. So we try to encourage the diet to be about an 80% plant-based diet with moderate protein, which should be a palm-sized amount, and then lots of good healthy fats. That's ideally how we should eat. So I have a lot of my ladies who are women of means, you know, they're all quite affluent and they like the, the, the drink, you know, they don't just drink during the week, but they drink every night and they may open a bottle of wine as they're cooking dinner and then they sit down to a meal with another bottle. And so they don't realize the impact of that long-term. So this one lady has, not my client that I talked about, but another lady had alcoholic fatty liver disease and um, she was drinking every night because her husband's retired. And we've gotten her now that she only drinks on the weekends. And she said to me, what's amazing is that I don't even crave a drink anymore. We've changed her diet. We've got her eating fiber. So, of course, the fiber is being fermented by the microbes in the gut that are keeping her healthy and happy. Her mindset's right. She says, She's a, I, I go to the toilet every day, having mm. you know, gone from four to five times, sorry, once every four to five days to now daily. And she said to me, you've changed my life. You so, Chisa, where would you like to be able to tell our listeners exactly the best sources of fibre? Oh, my goodness. Wow. <sighs> Broccoli, cauliflower, sweet potato, not white potato. Sweet potato is always better because it has a lot of um, soluble fibre in it. But just think your vegetables. Think veg. I always go, I always think of um, my above ground veg first. That should be your biggest source because it doesn't have as much, it's not as starchy 
or as carb heavy as you're below the ground. So you really want to fill your plate. I mean, winter's the perfect time to, I mean, I've, I've got cauliflower in the oven at the moment that I've sort of drizzled olive oil on over and with some cumin and some Himalayan pink salt. And I'm, I'm roasting that in the oven. But Brussels sprouts are an amazing sauce. Um, you know, think of your winter veggies. And you just want to, I think what we need to do, Beck, is to go back to how our parents used to, how our mothers used to cook. You know, everything was cooked. Now we've got Uber Eats. Meat veggie. Sorry? It was meat and veggies. Yes, it was meat and veg. Yes, and there's nothing wrong with meat and veg. You know, maybe, maybe not a massive big chunk of meat, but it was meat and veg, meat and three veg, you know. And, and we need to go back to cooking. You know, some people celebrate the fact that there's Uber Eats, but I actually, I, I decry the fact that there's Uber Eats now because Uber Eats may be convenient, but they're not using the best oils. They're not using the best cuts of anything. You know, this is mass-produced food for, you know, a, a mass market. And so, you know, I, I, I always encourage my ladies or my clients who come and see me to start to cook again. I, this one lady whose husband is retired, she lives on the Central Coast, she's not going to cook. And she told me that. She said, I'll be honest with you, I'm not, I don't cook. We're, we're, we're out that often. But if, I, if you can tell me what I can prepare when I'm at home, I'll do that. So I found her this place on the central coast that does, um, that, that makes meals from scratch, paleo-based meals from scratch, vegetables, good protein, good sources of fat, and she's over the moon, you know. So it's trying to work within a person's limitations to do the best you can for them. And even a skin therapist, we've got to be the same. We do that with products. You know that when you're recommending home care for a, for a client, if she's got, you know, five kids under the age of, seven, you know, running around, pulling at her legs. She's not about to embark on a really complicated skincare routine. So we tailor our home care routines for our clients' needs. And we've got to do the same with, with nutrition as well and make it as simple for them as possible. But um, it starts by empowering ourselves with the knowledge so that we can then do it almost like second nature for our clients. And would you say, uh, you know, being organised and ha doing your meal trips oh. each week? <laughs> Yes. I've actually just come off the phone just before I got on with you, Beck. One of my girlfriends is also desperate because she's piling on the weight. And I said to her, I said, what you need to do is to organize a day, Sunday preferably. I, my, Saturday's my market day. I'm off to the market with my Nana trolley on a Saturday and I stock up on all my veggies and I get very, very excited. I cannot wait. I love the long green snake beans and I chop them up and I stir fry them in some turkey mint sometimes with good oil and cumin and and I pop that um, into a, a lettuce cup, you know, simple, light. I don't suffer with bloating. And so I gave her all these ideas and she was like, oh, my gosh, yes, prepping. Cheers, I think prepping is going to be the answer. If I can have a meal prep day where I can organize myself, I think the rest of the week will, will sail by. And, Beck, you're amazing at that. I remember you showing me what you were doing. You know, you'd gone and gotten your massive store, you know, your big um, – you brought gone to the market and bought all of your stuff. You had a big stash um, that you brought home, your big haul that you brought home, and you had all your fresh produce. And you sent me your photos of you meal prepping. Mm. I was so proud of you. I but find that different. you know being organised is is yes. especially when it comes to the children. Yes. Um, when I did do the the skin and gut experiment, it was, mm. it was phenomenal. And as I said. Um, to our, you know, just to give the list, listeners a bit of insight, I actually ate nothing but whole foods for yeah. eight weeks. I, but how did you feel? I felt amazing. Mm. It was probably the best I've ever felt. I lost six and a half kilos. 
my brain was like it was like I was bionic woman. Uh, it was just I, I just can't even put into words how amazing it was. I didn't have you know the coffees that were I'd look for at um, you know morning tea time to give me a little bit. You know, all those little things. I had no alcohol. I had, um, you know, obviously um, any processed foods, uh, they were all gone, um, mm. sugars. So it was just it was just fantastic and I, I like it. I just absolutely loved the, the way that it made me feel. Mm. And, I mean, in that, in that experiment I did, you know, use my pre and probiotics. So how important is it for us to actually incorporate either, you know, foods that are going to give us our pre and probiotics or... Mm if we do take, you know, a supplement version or sure. something that, you know. Sure. Um, do you want to have a little talk about I will. I will talk about that. But what I didn't talk about, Beck, which I apologise about, is when I talked about omega-3s and omega-6s, I didn't actually talk about sources. And I wanted to say that apart from our food being high in omega-6s, um, we can also look for foods that are high in omega-3s. And our grass-fed and grass-finished meat is a very good source of omega-3s. Right. So, yes, we have our olive oil. Of course, we know that. But, you know, for people who are meat eaters, I know not not everybody is grass fed, grass finished meat, wild caught fish, not farmed fish. Farmed fish is fed pellets of grain, very high in omega sixes. Our domestic livestock that is fed grain, very high in omega sixes. So, we always want to go the grass fed and finished option. In the supermarket, it tends to be just grass fed, but they grain finish it because by grain finishing it, it marbles the meat and it fattens them. So, meat from the supermarket is very high in the wrong kinds of fats. Just to, to say that there, I meant to say that and I got carried away. Now, when we look at um, our probiotics, I think the most important thing to do, first of all, is to change the diet. Sometimes I'll have clients say to me, oh, I take probiotics. And my thought is, okay, but taking probiotics does not change the profile of your gut microbes. You need to, first of all, feed them the right kinds of food. And so the first step is to change the diet, get lots of fiber into your diet through the examples that I gave with your veggies. Once you've done that, you can then increase your gastric juices so that your protein and your foods are broken down properly. So I always say apple cider vinegar in some water or some lemon in water to stimulate those gastric juices to better allow you to break down protein, etc. And then we look at getting the, the, the veggies into the gut to feed the microbes. And these veggies we call prebiotics. So prebiotics is a name that describes the food that we feed our gut microbes. Probiotics, which are billions of CFUs when we look at the count of these probiotic supplements that we typically tend to take, they are not there to replace our gut microbes. They are there because, as I mentioned to you, our gut microbes release chemical signaling molecules that allow for certain um, kinds of effects to occur. So in the case of our good microbes, these um, short-chain fatty acid metabolites that are produced, they, they cause a, a dampening down of inflammation. Yep, they provide energy for the cells. Mm. Now, when we feed, when we take probiotics, those probiotics also have a benefit systemically within the body, but they don't necessarily replace our commensal microbes. They help in the good benefits. 
So they help bring about um, an improvement in conditions such as um, I'm thinking about bloating and cramping and there are certain strains that will help stop diarrhea, for example. So it really depends, Beck, on where these, my, these probiotics are sourced. Your practitioner grade are going to be very different to something that you get, say, from sauerkraut. So with your practitioner grade, they tend to be strain specific because they are usually given to people who have, who are not well, for example, you might have someone who has an autoimmune condition. So they will give certain strains to, you know, there'll be a certain strain of probiotics in that supplement. You have people who have gut issues like celiac disease or um, IBS. There are other strains that are in that. So they are strain specific to address a certain condition. When you look at us as clinicians bringing probiotics into the clinic, we're talking about general probiotics for general health rather than us focusing on trying to correct. It's more about us saying to someone, have general probiotics in your diet because the benefits of these probiotics are positive. They're pro-life unlike antibiotics that are against life. Antibiotics, and a lot of people are taking antibiotics for the smallest little thing, and these antibiotics decimate these microbial populations in the, in the gut. And so, you know, I, I absolutely agree that, you know, having probiotics in some form is a good idea. I make my own kraut. I buy kefir, you know, so I'm all over probiotics just because of the benefits that I know they have. Um, and so as therapists, what's great is that we've got all of these nutraceutical companies coming in and knocking on our doors and wanting to sell us their wares. And a lot of them have powders that are either prebiotic rich, some of them have probiotics in them, some of them have elixirs with probiotics in them. And these are all designed to just help improve our general health. But if you had someone who came in to see you who had gut dysbiosis, who was really unwell from it, who sort of fluctuated between constipation and diarrhea, that is not within our scope to, to, to recommend a probiotic for that person. You'd be sending her off to a naturopath or a nutritional you know, medicine practitioner like myself or someone who has their role be one of you know, a, 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 a trained nutritionist, etc. But yes, I think there is definitely a place for probiotics. But most importantly, it's the food that you want to feed these probiotics that are um, inhabitants in the gut um, with that will keep them thriving nicely. And that's all of your vegetables. I didn't mention fruit. And fruit, of course, is a good source of your fiber. But people tend to gravitate more towards fruit than they do vegetables because fruit is sweet. And so they tend to eat too much fruit. And eating too much fruit and having that sugar in the gut is not necessarily a good thing because anything that is sugary is going to feed the wrong kinds of microbes. And you will have people with candida, as I'm sure, you know, being a therapist, you, you've experienced yourself. So whenever there's thrush candida, check the diet. And I can guarantee that there is an over consumption of the sweet stuff. And that's the thing too, uh, um, you know, our, you know, sugar is just so available to it us is. as well. And I mean, I know. Oh, we just chatted about that. So what would be, you know, one of the biggest challenge that's, challenges that you've faced to get to where you're, you're at today? Um, you know, I know that the integration between doctors, nutritionists, is that changing, Chisa, where doctors are actually paying more attention to gut health and 
Yeah. I actually, I'm very fortunate, Beck. I, I also run a course for registrars who are going through the program um, with the Australasian College of Cosmetic Surgeons. And I did a, a workshop for them two weekends ago. And I had 15 registrars who were, they're all GPs who are moving into cosmetic medicine. And my workshop was um, based on skin anatomy, looking at um, cosmeceuticals compared to cosmetics, looking at chemical peels, and then looking at nutrition. And I had them just completely immersed in what I had to say because they learned none of it. And they were so excited about the gut health um, aspect of things because I was educating them for themselves, right? So there, there is a new um, stream of doctors who are coming through that call themselves functional medicine doctors. And these functional medicine doctors are actually looking at the body as a whole. They're not just looking at a condition in isolation. So they recognize that you cannot just treat the symptoms. You have got to look at what the source is. And the 15 minutes that they sometimes typically are given with a client, sometimes it's even less, sometimes it's seven minutes, where they quickly write out a script, does not serve anybody. And so I'm, I, don't, I think you, I, you remember me saying that in Australia, we are the second highest users of antidepressants in the world after Norway. And that's purely because these medications are overprescribed. But there's this new arm of doctors who are actually wanting to adopt a more holistic approach. So they work within a, a, a team you know, where they have, you know, other allied health professionals working alongside them. So I think the tide is changing. My two, my two all-time heroes, Dr. Rangan Chatterjee and Dr. Asim Alhotra out of the UK, both of them were GPs or Rangan Chatterjee is a GP. He does a program called There's a Doctor in the House. And then Asim Alhotra is a cardiologist who actually is going around the world letting people know that fat is not bad and fat will not cause a heart attack. It's the sugar that causes cholesterol to rise and not fat. So that in itself is groundbreaking. The inflammation that is um, fueled by diet causes plaque to be laid in the capillaries that causes the blockage. Animal fat does not cause cholesterol um, to, to worsen in, 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 the, in, in the heart, in the arteries. Yeah, so, so there is a few little stories that, you know, oh, passed down, I think it's... Yes up along the way but there's a big focus on 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 nutrition now and so that there's not that's not a challenge at all I'm finding that there are doctors I mean I had the lady who came to see me was actually referred her doctor said to her go and give here are your blood results go and see her and whatever she tells you to do you do it and that warmed my heart coming from a doctor you do what she tells you to do you know yeah. so there are there are those that recognize that giving prescription pills is not the answer you know, you've I got to be. Uh -huh, I think doctors are definitely being more cautious with how they're handing out mm -hmm. prescriptions now. I mean, not all, but you know, I know that it, you know that they don't just give antibiotics willingly because it. Well, proven now the the detrimental effect that they can actually have well the insulin well, what, what about the antibiotic resistance though you've got all of these microbes that are not responding to these antibiotics because they they're being over prescribed so they recognize now that in order to try and get on top of some of these these killer bacteria that they can't control with antibiotics they've got to stop giving as much in america two-thirds of antibiotics that are administered are given to livestock two-thirds yeah. are given to livestock that we that we then consume 
See, so yeah, it's, um, I just think baby steps, baby steps, but um, our role as therapists, I mean, we, we need to be part of that conversation when it comes to diet because we work on the skin. The skin is the largest organ of the body that is impacted by diet. So we, being the specialists that we are, we need to arm ourselves absolutely with the knowledge. So what are some of your daily routines that um, I know our listeners love to hear what other people do just to keep balance in their life? What's some of your mm. have you got some daily rituals or uh, routines that help you, you know, be able to have as much energy as you can to be able to turn up into the world as the best version of you? Yeah, I think just ha- ha- having the opportunity to change lives makes me so grateful, Beck. I I have this little gratitude jar and every day I write something that I'm grateful for in this jar and I start at the beginning of the year and I go through and at the end of the year I sit down and I tip the jar out and I just read what I've written. I'm so grateful, Beck, and I, I really I like to express it. I'll be in the shower and I'll just come out with I'm grateful for and so this morning I'm just grateful that I'm well, that I'm healthy that I'm happy. You know, I'm grateful that my parents are still around. I was in Melbourne for six days. My parents aren't doing that well, but I had six days where I could go and be with them. I'm grateful that I have the lifestyle that I have where I I can choose to do with my hours what I want. You know, I run my academy. I work in clinic, but I don't work a full week anymore, you know, so I'm allowed, I'm able to go across and be with my mom and help my mom with my father. I'm grateful. So gratitude is a big thing. And I think rather than sort of, focusing on the negatives or things that aren't working in your life, when you focus on what is working and what's positive, it actually changes your mindset as well. Um, I think also going to the gym this morning because it's cold and I, I had an office day. I was lying in bed a little bit too long, but my girlfriend rang. And after we chatted, I said, right, I'm going to the gym. And I went to the gym and you always feel better for it. Mm. So I think exercise plays a big part because it really helps with your mental clarity. It helps with that positivity because the endorphins have been activated. Um, You know, I, I, so routines are exercise, eating right, being positive. You know, I, I try to be positive. I, I am a positive person and that's not, not to say that I don't have a dark cloud come over me sometimes but I snap out of it very quickly and I know that snapping out of it has a lot to do with the kinds of foods that I eat Mm. Um, I eat well I eat clean Um, yeah so I also I'm not very good I actually set on my phone a reminder to meditate (laughs) and the reminder pops up your 10 minutes to meditate uh, are now. And I'm like, oh, too busy, too busy. But what I tend to do is when I go to bed, when I'm in bed, I will put on meditation and I usually fall asleep to that. So, you know, we're not all all perfect specimens. I'm not a yogi. I I don't do yoga. I like to work out, but I also like to find quiet time of an evening when I'm in bed, you know, about to fall off to sleep. Um, I don't carve out hours in my day where I sit and do nothing or read or I've got too much going on. Mm. But I find that exercise is a great outlet for me. And then just expressing gratitude as well. That's beautiful. So what would be one piece of advice that you've been given that would be, you know, something that's changed your life? Um, I think the expression um, people remember what you said, not what you did. 
Is that right? Or people remember what you did, not what you, hang on, what, I've, got to, I've got to try to remember how, how it goes. People don't remember what you said or did, but they remember the way. How you made them feel yeah. is what it is. I beg your pardon. I can't even remember what the thing is, but, yes, how you made them feel. And, and I think that is definitely something to live by, right? It, and it's so true. I, I go out of my way to try and be kind and I, 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 I really do. I've been really working hard on always making sure that I make people feel good, you know, with my positivity. I, I really try hard to make, to make that something that I, that I give. I, I, I'm a very busy person. I've got a very busy mind. I, I can be very impatient. Um, I'm a very forceful person. When I say forceful, I'm very passionate. I've got a very strong voice and I know that tone is everything. <laughs> my life it's your tone so when I've really been when you say it, you say it. <laughs> it's the way you say it exactly so you know that's something that I I'm always working on just making sure that the messaging is right and that I people hear my intention you know through my words and through how I make them feel so that's something that I'm yeah that I I try hard to to, to always live by so obviously in the, in the theme of the show, creating this um, podcast show, Living Your Best Life, is all about empowering men and women uh, by speaking to extraordinary people. And I think you've nearly answered that then, that, you know, that you've got a grateful heart every single day and mm. looking at all the great things and not so necessarily, you know, sometimes we can go to the negative before, um, you know, there, there's so many good things. Mm. We've been programmed to look at bad before good, yeah. um, to make sure that you eat well, um, to make sure that you're going to the gym and exercise. Um, what else? What does living your best life mean to you? Finding and doing what you love, Beck. Yeah. Because I think that if you do what you love, it's not work. And they do say that if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. And that's that's how I honestly feel. I think, you know, sort of, I mean, I love what I do. I couldn't change it, the fact that I get to do every, all the little things that I do. But I also think it's making time for your family and making time for your friends and, and being fully present, um, taking the time for self-improvement, learning something new. I love to learn. Um, taking good care of you, feeding yourself, nourishing your body, you know, treating your body like the precious temple that it is. You know, all of those things, making enough time for sleep. You've got to have enough sleep, mm. um, you know, because that also impacts your gut health and your overall health. You know, making time for self-care. We're so busy, but we've got to find time to give back to us. And so I think living your best life is just loving you more and forgiving ourselves. We're so hard on ourselves sometimes. You know, we're, we're, we're people we're people first and we have our foibles, but we need to forgive ourselves, I think. So it's not just one thing. I think it's it's so much, but it's things definitely almost loving, just loving what you do. Oh, that's wonderful. So what's next for you, Chisa? I'm writing a book, Beck. Ah, there you go. Every does everybody know this, or are they hearing it here first? <laughs> Some of my friends know. Yeah, it's called Healthy Skin Begins in the Gut. Oh wow! So that's my working title. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about that. I'm also looking at products as well or with a gut focus, as you can imagine. 
Yeah, wonderful. That's so wonderful to hear that because I know that you're a wealth of knowledge. You've helped actually change my life as far as skin health goes. Um, so, Chisa, where would we, where do we direct our listeners to find you? Like, I think if we're if we're talking this, I think maybe you know your email, but also your academy for if there's skin therapists that are listening to us as well. Sure. So I run classes. The Nutritional Skincare Academy is where you'll find my classes for industry professionals. I actually have a class coming up on the 17th of June. Um, for people who want, you know, maybe some nutrition help, I also have um, Glow Skin and Nutrition, um, and that's a website, glowskinandnutrition.com or my Facebook or my Insta. So I'm on, I'm on both Insta and Facebook, The Nutritional Skincare Academy on Insta, um, Glow Skin and Nutrition on Insta and then Nutritional Skin Care Academy on Facebook and Glow Skin and Nutrition um, on Facebook as well. So thank you, Beck. No, that's it's been absolutely beautiful. I've loved having our time together today. Mm. Um, and I thank you for joining me. And um, did, now, did you say that people could find you on Facebook and Instagram too? Did you yeah. say that? Yeah, yeah, they can. Absolutely. On my websites as well. I've got websites for both. So I'm pretty visible. Just tell us what they are and I'll also put them in your, in the, in the, uh, tell us what they are, Chisa. So on Facebook, Nutritional Skincare Academy and then Glow Skin and Nutrition is my nutrition one. And then on Insta, The Nutritional Skincare Academy and then Glow Skin and Nutrition on Insta. Um, And then I have my website, nutritionalskincareacademy.com and glowskinandnutrition.com. Beautiful. Thank you for giving us your time today. It's been absolutely wonderful. Um, There's so many little aha moments in there I know for our listeners and you are a wealth of knowledge and I love that you continue to, you know, better your knowledge so then you can actually articulate and teach it you know in a in a simple way that we all understand you've been um uh you know definitely somebody that's um changed the skin industry as far as internal health goes and i thank you for that and i look forward to our love you know our relationship just growing and growing um and yeah so thank you chisa from the bottom of my heart Thank you, Beck. You're amazing. And I'm so proud to know you. I'm proud to watch you go from strength to strength. You are making incredible waves in our industry. And um, I'm so proud of you. I feel so honoured to be your guest. Thank you so much for the opportunity today. Thank Thank you. you, Take care. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye.